This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, a radio show and podcast which looks at the stories of the quirkier people, groups and interests in the region. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Conscious consumption is an important idea that we need to be more mindful about in this day and age. And one woman here in the Waikato is going to particular lengths to spread strategies on how we can live sustainably. I visited her in Cambridge. My name is Nicola Turner from, and I have a social enterprise called Mainstream Green and I am based out in Cambridge in the Waikato. And how I got into it, so Mainstream Green is a social enterprise that's all about making sustainability easy, normal and feel good. And how I got into it is I spent about 15 years of my working career in the fast-moving consumer goods industry. So that's the industry that puts products on our supermarket shelves. And my job within that industry became what's called shopper, understanding how we behave as shoppers, specifically in the supermarket, and then using all of that insight to orchestrate things to get people to buy more. So my job for a long time was about driving consumption. How do we get people to consume more? It was great. I loved my job. I got paid really well. I worked with really cool, really smart people. I was constantly learning. I got to do some pretty cool international travel and overseas postings. But then about 10 years ago, my husband and I started on a journey towards living more sustainably, I guess, in, in essence. And he it was triggered by him getting very mild dermatitis on one of the fingers on his left hand. That was it. That was the rock star moment that changed everything. <laughs> um, and he was getting really frustrated by it. Went to the doctor, got steroid cream, started using steroid cream and it cleared up straight away. But then it, as soon as he stopped, it would come back. So it was kind of this cycle of rinse and repeat. And... Somewhere I'd heard or read something that was on average through the products we use on our skin, we're putting over 400 different synthetic chemicals on ourselves every day. So I'm like, huh, I wonder if there's something in that. So we just really started, because of his dermatitis, because of a well-being angle, to try and simplify the products we were using. And it seemed to help. And it meant we were buying these products, which was saving us money. It meant that we were creating less packaging waste, which uh, meant we were creating less rubbish, and that felt good. And so I started going down that rabbit hole a little bit more in terms of what else is in our rubbish bin that we could be reducing, what other chemicals we're using, synthetic chemicals we're using around our home that we could be simplifying, what products that we're using that we don't need to be using. And it really was this journey of one small change at a time. And then it led on from that to beyond the kind of the everyday products we were using to really question our bigger relationship with stuff, like what other stuff did we have in our home and what did we need and what could we simplify. And didn't start out this way but it really became about questioning every aspect of our consumption because to me our consumption is everything when it comes to our impact it's the clothes we wear it's the food we eat the way we get around the electricity we use the manufacturing that goes into the things that we buy and you know the waste that we throw away so we became really focused on how do we simplify and lighten, simplify our life and lighten our load on the planet by looking at our consumption. And somewhere along the line, I realised that well, my job was all about understanding shopper behaviour to get people to consume more. 
but in my day-to-day life was all about understanding our behavior, our human behavior to get us to consume less. And those two things, there were lots of similarities, but the outcome was really different. So I felt that my career was a bit too divergent from my personal values at that stage. And so I started Mainstream Green as a social enterprise to really do that, to understand human behavior, to get us to, to be more mindful of our consumption and lighten our load on the planet. So now I work with councils kind of in the consulting space to be um, more effective, I guess, in terms of getting people to change their behaviour around sustainability, around their consumption. I work with businesses delivering a lot of speaking events and getting them excited and giving them a bit of a toolbox to tackle sustainability. And then I do public-facing stuff. So uh, speaking events, I had a book come out in January. I do online content and online courses and events and campaigns just to... Yeah, really switch people's thinking around sustainability. Buy it, use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, mail, upgrade it, charge it, point it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, quick, erase it, write it, cut it, paste it. So looking at this whole case all at once, to a lot of people it probably would look sort of obsessive. Um, Do you think it's fair to say? (laughs) I think there were definitely times that I took things a bit far and took things, uh, yeah, maybe got a bit obsessive about things for sure. The good thing is I have a family and friends who are very good at keeping me real and telling me when I take things too far. So, and for me, actually, it is mainstream green, and what I do is all about trying to mainstream mindful consumption, trying to mainstream sustainability. So that's a really good way to keep me on track as well, because if I take things to extreme, then it doesn't seem accessible for other people, and that's what I'm trying to do, is make it accessible for everyday people. Yeah, and I think people come at it from different angles, but ours was definitely a well-being angle that we came at it from so that was our trigger but I think and I've seen this with with all the people I work with as well in terms of one thing might trigger you but then you get in and you realize that everything's connected so for us wanting to simplify the amount of synthetic chemicals we were using yep that was for our well-being for sure and we saw that improve when we simplified that but then we kind of realized that well this is better for our own well-being but it's better for the planet as well because we're flushing less of these synthetic chemicals down our drains and putting less of them into the air and flushing less of them down the toilet and that felt good so whilst our motivation came from the personal well-being we kind of then made that connection which made it taking action feel good and then we realised that simplifying the products we were using created less waste and that felt good and then it was saving us money so that was another motivation for us so it's and you know because some people might come at sustainability for that well-being angle they might come at it because they've watched David Attenborough's documentary and they feel compelled to do something for the planet they might come at it because they're trying to save money they might come at it because their kids are putting pressure on them because they're learning about environmentalism at school doesn't really I don't think it matters what that motivation is. I think it because once people start, they realise it's just a spider's web of connection in terms of all of the impacts of it. I'm no lost in the supermarket. I can no longer shop happily. I came in here for a special personality. At the very start, you were simplifying the um, products you were using and the substances that you were effectively putting into your bodies. Yep. Was that a challenge in this consumer environment? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was because um, if you pick up a, a, a bottle of, I don't know, moisturizer in the supermarket and try and 
read the ingredients on it. It's mind-blowing, right? How many different words are there for water? <laughs> you know, so I think it's, it's really hard to navigate. So I think there's two parts to that. One, it's tricky to navigate. Um, two, it's also, which maybe is what you, you're getting at in terms of the trillion dollar marketing industry that's convincing us to buy products as well, right? Mm, yeah, we, all the products are there, they're provided. We've got so much choice, but I think a lot of people could view that most of the choices we have are synthetic choices and it's hard to find the, um, the simple uh, natural, sustainable choice. Mm, yeah, abs yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're so conditioned to, to shopping at the supermarket now, right? That everything, yeah, there is just very much laid out in front of us, and packaged up beautifully and marketed to us to sell the promise and all those things. So yeah, was it tricky to navigate? Well, my attitude to it was we very much just did one small change at a time. And my trigger, so when we started looking at the products we were using, my trigger was to go, when I ran out of a product, I would look at that product. So we started with our hand soap, for example. It was a product we were using heaps on our hands, obviously. So it was a case of going, okay, we've run out of our regular hand soap. Do we need to continue using hand soap? Yeah, we do. So what's a better choice? And then it will be a case of going, okay, um, you know, looking at ingredients on things or reading up a bit about different alternatives in there. And because we kind of did it one product at a time, it didn't feel like a big deal. Right, so you didn't go cold turkey on synthetic no. substances. No, no, and, and, and also it's a case, not all synthetic chemicals are bad, right? You know, chemicals are chemicals. Some of them are good, some of the, some natural ones are harmful, some synthetic ones are great. So, and I, chemistry was never my strong search at all. So trying to read the back of a packet I found really tricky, but I found an app called Chemical Maze, which is a traffic light system. You put in the name of the chemical, it gives you a green smiley face and, you know, an orange kind of um, neutral face or a, a red unhappy face and tools like that or David Suzuki uh, on the environmental working group there's a few kind of websites and tools that I found that helped me navigate it so it's like okay cool I want to buy you know I want to switch to a more simple product is there a completely natural one so if it's something like cleaning I can switch to baking soda and vinegar for a lot of my cleaning so they're pretty straightforward I get those but if it's like or moisturizer I use almond oil I get that it's pretty easy but if there's a product I need that's got ingredients in it then I could use some of those tools to help me kind of understand them and I can deal with the traffic light system as opposed to having to understand all the chemical names and stuff. <laughs> there's also, there's a really good Facebook group called Zero Waste in NZ, it's called. There's about 35,000 Kiwis in that group and it's they do a lot of, it's predominantly focused on zero waste, but, you know, it, like I said, everything's connected. And I've used, I use that quite a lot as kind of a reference to see what other people are um you know are choosing and why and yeah it's a Facebook group so it's reasonably you know uh, um, unsolicited in terms of the information there but it's also 35,000 people on a journey to try and you know reduce their waste and live more sustainably and uh, there's a lot of knowledgeable people in there as well so I found that quite a good tool. Talking about zero waste mm. there are the um, packages that your products come in as well yeah which is a whole other kettle of fish on top of the first one yeah yeah exactly so yeah there's ingredients there's packaging there's also where's it where has it been made how has it been made you know is it new zealand made has it shipped you know it's all that embedded impact has it been shipped halfway around the world to 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 get to me for example so yeah there's lots of considerations and before i kind of get into the waste aspect i think it's really 
easy for people to get overwhelmed because everybody's kind of going to go, okay, if I, I want to make the most sustainable decision. And there's no such thing as a perfect choice, right? Everything we choose is going to have some sort of impact. So to me, it's all about going, how do we make a more conscious choice and a better choice, right? So it might be, okay, I want to choose a, I'm choosing a moisturizer. How do I find something, you know, that I'm conscious about the packaging, I'm conscious about the ingredients, I'm conscious about where it's made, I'm conscious about the ethics of who's made it and who's found it, and there's probably no perfect choice, right? But for a moisturiser, for example, I, I go, oh, I, we use almond oil as an all-over moisturiser for our whole family. I buy it in bulk, so it reduces the packaging. I can get that refilled. It only has a single ingredient, so from an ingredients point of view, it's great. I buy organic because I'm buying it in bulk. I get it, at, you know, it's a really good price, so I can afford to buy organic. So then I know at least the farming ethics and things behind that. Do we have almonds in New Zealand? No, so I can't get, you know, New Zealand made. But that to me is a, is it perfect? No, but it's a really good choice. So. That's, you know, whenever I'm making a decision, it's all about, you think about all of those things, but you don't get paralyzed by trying to find <laughs> the perfect solution because there is no solution. Because yeah, And yeah, packaging, like the, the interesting thing with packaging is it's definitely been on the radar a lot with plastics, like plastics have had a lot of visibility over recent years and rightly so, you know, we've become really disposable in, in um, our use of a lot of things and plastic being one of those and Green Sword came down in China and people realised that recycling wasn't the answer and lots of things have happened in that space. So I think there's a lot of visibility around that. And to me, again, it's just being um, as informed as you can, but making the choices that suit for you, you know, work for you. From this discussion, I feel like, in a way, with the consumer structure, yeah, people almost think there's so much choice. There must be the perfect choice yeah. for me out there. When in reality, there isn't. Everything which is produced has had an impact on the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and. I don't, you know, it is what it is, and I think that that's fine, and we just need to embrace that. And I think if we all focused, you know, I love that quote, and I'm terrible at paraphrasing quotes, but it's like, don't let perfect get in the way of good, right? If everybody, and I think that's the thing with sustainability, going green, going eco, any of those things, is um, it's really easy for people to go, well, I can't do things perfectly, so, and that kind of stuns them into a state of inaction. Whereas if everybody went, you know what, I'm just going to try and do a little bit better, then man, you know, the world would be a, such a better place for it, right? And I liken that to even riding my bike, right? So I, you know, Okay, you read any sustainability blog and it's all about getting out of your car and cycling or public transport or walking everywhere. And so for ages I'm like, I really want a bike to work. But it took me ages to start doing it because I'm like I'm a bit of a fair weather cyclist, right? I don't want to ride my bike when it's really cold or really rainy or really windy. And what if I've got a meeting and I don't want to have helmet here for my meeting? Like I put all these barriers in the way, right? Whereas when I kind of switched my mindset and went, well, what if I rode my bike to work one day a week? You know, that's still way better than not riding it at all. And changing my mindset to that made it feel way more accessible. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And I started, I can do that. I'll choose a day when the weather's good. You know, I'll choose a day when I don't have to rush to a meeting and take heaps of stuff with me. And, and when I changed my mindset to focus on 
doing it better instead of perfectly it felt way more accessible way more motivating and then I started and now I ride my bike to work pretty much every day because I started and I created that habit and I realised how easy it was and it kind of escalated from there but that's that's a lot of what I talk about is how do you focus on just one small change at a time and focus on, focus on doing things better instead of perfect. And then we've got the whole food market. Yeah. Um, all the products we're taking in and how has that journey been like for you? Mm. Yeah, it's been, and again, it has ex- totally been a journey. It hasn't been a uh, an, an overnight kind of change. But it's been a, again, it's just reforming habits, right? And again, it was a bit of kind of tackling one product at a time. So what I would do, and also we switched our food buying to buying more in bulk as well, because one, it means you can reduce a lot of your packaging waste buying in bulk you know buying one 10 kg bag of rice instead of buying 2500 gram bags of rice you're going to significantly reduce the surface area of plastic you're buying significantly reduce your packaging waste save time save money in terms of how often you're buying it so so yeah those two things kind of went together in terms of how do we start eating more real food but then also do it in a way that we're more mindful of the products we're eating and the packaging we're creating and again, my approach was to tackle one product at a time, right? So if it's like rice, for example, let's stick with the example of rice. Okay, I'm going to the supermarket this week. I'm going to see if I can make a better choice when it comes to rice. Take an extra 60 to 90 seconds standing in front of the supermarket, you know, the rice, the rice category at the supermarket and go, okay, what other choices can I make? Oh, okay, I see they've got 10 kg bags down the bottom. Cool, I could buy those and it's going to reduce my packaging waste. Oh, there's brown rice. Is that going to be a better choice? Oh, there's organic rice. Is that going to be a better choice? Oh, there's, you know, what country has it come from? Can I make a better choice in terms of that? Or how is it farmed? And and that's how I tackled it again is each week it would kind of be, okay, what's one product that we're going to focus on? Or the flip side is, okay, we're eating a heavily processed product. I don't know. Let's say... MSG coated chips, right? Mm -hmm. We're eating those, the kids love them, the family loves them, how can I find an alternative for that one? Um, Either a better choice at the supermarket or is that that something I can make myself, make make in bulk, stock up the freezer, whatever that might be. But again, it was that case of just going one product at a time. I sometimes do home tours through my house in Cambridge and people always look exceptionally relieved when I open my fridge and they say that there's bars of Whitaker's chocolate in there. Because <laughs> I think there's this big perception that it's all about going without. But, you know, chocolate was one product that, yep, we could buy um, one that came with compostable pack- uh, home compostable packaging, for example, and ticked a whole lot of boxes and we got it home and we ate it and it just wasn't. We just didn't enjoy it (laughs) and we gave it a good nudge, but we couldn't, you know. So again, I think I'm also really wary of going, this is not a lifestyle that's all about sacrifice and going without. If I can't find a solution that works for my family and it feels like we're going without or it feels like a hardship giving something up, then I focus on something else and Mm. I keep doing that because, and again, that's that. You don't have to be perfect, you know. It's the, it's again, it's about the small changes that you can make that feel good because change should feel good. Do you end up consuming less of a range of things because you have 
sort of zoned in mm. on the uh, ethical and sustainable uh, alternatives. Mm, that's a good. That's a really good question, actually. I don't think so because it's also tuned us into other things, like because we've become quite focused on eating seasonal produce, for example. There's produce that I didn't even know existed before when we kind of opened our minds to it. So, and that might be that we're growing stuff in our garden that we've never had, or um, we get a weekly produce delivery, and, and sometimes there's things on that that it's like, what did we get the other day? Something really random. I'm like, I've never had this before. So, no, I don't think so. And I think it's a really, and this is a bit of a tangent, so choose whether we go off on it or not, mm. but it's, there's this paradox of choice. You know, like you go into the supermarket, I don't know what the, pro- the product count is anymore, but it's tens of thousands of products in our supermarket, right? We feel like as humans, we want more choice and more choice is a good thing. But the reality is we can only cope with so much choice and we actually get this real kind of sense of decision fatigue and overwhelm if we have too, too many choices. So an example is when I was working in the supermarket game, we had this regular sort of piece of research that we did, which is we push a person in front of a shelf, you know, a supermarket shelving bay and say there's 50 different products on it. And then we'd put them in front of another supermarket shelving bay and there'd be 300 different products on it. And you'd just sort of face up the the bay that only had 50 products in. And nine times out of 10, people would tell you that the bay with 50 products on it had more choice Mm. because you can navigate it more easily, right? And the other one, it's sort of white noise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there's this really, it is, it's this paradox of choice where we feel like we want more choice and choice is a good thing, but actually there's only so much we can, we can deal with. And kids are the same, right? Like, you know, kind of going from the minimalism angle, you put a child in a room with a hundred different toys in it and they'll kind of briefly play with everything and kind of be really kind of staccatoed in their play, or you put them in a room with five toys in it and the way they interact and the creativity that they will come up with to interact with those five toys will be totally different. In my search for music to accompany the interview in this WTS episode about consumption, I couldn't help but keep coming back to this new gem by a Kiwi band called Night Lunch. Just a warning, there is coarse language in this. The song is called House Full of Shit. For me, it's about really a lot of what, how and what we consume is done on autopilot, right? It kind of has to be, right? Like a lot of 
it's a lot of what we do in our daily life is in our unconscious or our subconscious, right? Because you think about, I don't know, if you drive the same way to work every day, you often get to work and you go, I don't remember driving, right? Or did I put my seatbelt on or did I? And you did, but it's just fallen into that unconscious and that subconscious part of your brain. Because to be up in your conscious part of your brain takes energy and, and, and work and can be really tiring. So we form new habits and they drop down into our subconscious and our unconscious. And now the way we consume, the way we shop, the way we purchase is no different, right? So if you go to the supermarket, it'll often just be on autopilot. Yeah, this is the one I always buy or I always buy one of these three ones or which one's on the promotion and I always go this way around the supermarket. And so the first thing is how do you just flick a switch into that conscious part of your brain and you can't do it to tackle everything that's why it's just that one small change at a time so okay and I, I talk about it as just taking a micro pause before you buy or consume something right so because um, we tend to be really if we want something we buy it we're done with it we throw it away how do we change our thinking to go I want something do I really want it or do I really need it yeah, I do. And that's fine. It's not about going without. So let's use a coffee, right? Monday morning, go into the office, always get a coffee from the cafe. Uh, so flick that switch into that conscious part of your brain. Do I really want it? Yeah, I do. Do I really need it? No, but I really want it. That's fine. You know, not about going without. Okay. Is there a way that I can make a better choice when it comes to my morning coffee? Actually, you know what? I've got a really kick-ass coffee machine at home. I'm just going to make one and take it with me. Or I'm going to take a cup from home and get it from the cafe, but get it served in a cup. Or I'm paying five bucks for this coffee. I'm going to sit down and enjoy it in a proper cup at the cafe. Or um, I really need to get it in a takeaway cup, but I'm going to ask them just to leave the lid off because that's an extra piece of waste that I don't need. You know, All of those are better choices, but it started with that consciousness right or oh I really you know I'm going to a wedding I really need to buy a new dress actually do I? Thanks to Nicola Turner from Mainstream Green for being the subject of this episode of WTS Waikato if you enjoyed this show you can like it on Facebook follow it on Twitter and find it wherever you get your podcasts thanks to Free FM the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.